Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Father, as we prepare to hear from you, we ask that you would open our eyes and our ears, that we might hear your word, that we might be changed. Give us insight into who you are. Reveal yourself to us through the study of Scripture today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I walked into the main office here at church and I asked, I can open my sermon with this fun story or I could spend time teaching about omniscience. What should I do? So really quickly, one of the people in the office said, more teaching. And then immediately after that, someone said, be funny, tell a story. So it came down to the third person in the office to be the tiebreaker. So, knock, knock. Just kidding. They all ended up coming around and saying, spend more time teaching. I actually wrote four introductions to this message, the best being like a page and a half long with two to three great jokes. One of your study questions comes from that intro, and it's still worth talking about in your small groups this week, but I'm more excited that we would be learning and diving into God's omniscience. And so all of my partially funny jokes are just going to have to be skipped, and I want us to jump right in to where we are. We're in week five of a series called The Attributes of God, and today is the first in, a, in what we're calling a communicable attribute of our series. If you've been with us, you'll recall that Scott explained that the attributes of God, the, his characteristics, can be categorized into two categories, communicable and incommunicable attributes. Incommunicable being those that God does not communicate to us, and communicable being those that God shares or communicates with us, at least to a degree. So we started this series, and we were talking about the incommunicable attributes. We studied things like eternal, that God has existed for all eternity, but we have not. And this week, as we begin our study of omniscience, God's knowledge, it is the first communicable one, one that we share in to a degree. This term, omniscience, comes from Latin, and believe me, I'm no, uh, no person who has any idea how to say these words, but I'm going to give it a shot for you. The prefix omni means all, and then this second part of the word scientia uh, is where we get the idea of science, or the word science means knowledge or to learn. So this is God's all-knowing attribute. It is revealed throughout all of Scripture, but we're going to be looking at a bunch of passages. Um, I'd like for us to focus in on one particular place. I think it's really one of the best places in all of Scripture 
that we can learn about the omniscience and how it comes to light. So we're going to read a chunk of text together out of Psalm 139. We're going to read all the way, verse 1 through 18. So grab your Bible, follow along here with me, Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot contain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day for darkness is as light with you. You formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as yet when there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. In Psalm 147, verse 5, it says, Great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. In Hebrews 4.13, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God knows everything. He is omniscient, all-knowing. And here's how we're going to define it. Write this down. God fully knows himself and all things actual, and possible in one simple act, one simple and eternal act. To say that God fully knows himself, and this is not a small statement at all. God is infinite and unlimited, so to fully know himself is to have an unlimited and infinite knowledge. All things actual means that all things that exist or all things that happen, there isn't a creature anywhere in the universe that isn't plainly visible to his sight. Nothing is hidden or unknown to God. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your will. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. And earlier in Matthew chapter 6, it says, For your father knows what you need before you ask him. God knows all things actual, all thoughts, all actions, all creatures, 
all that has happened and all that will happen, all that is seen and all that is unseen. To say that God knows all things possible means that even if it doesn't exist or if it never actually happens, God knows every potential. This is a big deal because when you consider that God fully knows himself and he is the creator of all, we can deduce that God knows everything that he is able to do. God knows all things that are possible. When we consider the complexity of what God has made, it's completely mind-blowing. You consider that God knows everything completely, every other possible thing that could even be made or known or created. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We read in Psalm 139 that the response of such a knowledge is that it is too wonderful for me. I cannot even attain it. And God knows all of this, all of this, in one simple and eternal act. God knows instantly and perfectly all things that can be known. Think about this. God doesn't strain to remember things. His knowledge is not divided into conscious or unconscious memory. He doesn't run calculations like some giant supercomputer or need to check the archives for information. He doesn't have this team of angels that are furiously writing everything down, and then he's just like a super fast reader. He knows it all instantly and perfectly, all things actual and possible. We use the word simple in our definition on purpose because this knowledge is not something that strains the mind of God. I struggle to remember my own kids' birthdays. Sorry, kids. But possessing this knowledge for God is simple. God never needs to send out helpers. He never needs to dispatch angels to collect information. He doesn't have counselors or teachers. God doesn't learn. He never gets surprised because he already knows. The God who could learn anything is not a God worthy of worship. God already knows all that can be learned, all there is to know, and he knows it instantly and perfectly. I hope you're realizing by now that we're talking about God's omniscience in a different way than our own knowledge. It's not just our knowledge magnified. God's knowledge is altogether different. Even though we share in this attribute, God's understanding is not like our own. So we should not use our own standards of knowledge to measure God. How backwards is that? Furthermore, we shouldn't think that knowledge is some universal truth that exists outside of the being of God. God's knowledge and words are true and the final standard of truth. 
And so the proper understanding of this attribute is so important for us. Just think about what happens when we get it wrong or we ignore this truth. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve reached out in the Garden of Eden with the desire for knowledge that was outside of God, and they gave birth to sin. When knowledge is desired apart from God, it will result in sin. Even though the pursuit of knowledge on our part is a good thing, our sin twists it up with pride. We think of academics, perhaps, who just drip with pride, looking down their nose at others. Or we think about those who look for secret insight from demonic practices in the occult. We would think of the many ways that people place science and knowledge up as an idol. This attribute of God, rightly understood, keeps us from becoming arrogant and prideful, unloving, judgmental. Because when knowledge is desired apart from God, it will result in sin. So for us, knowing this attribute of God matters. And I want to offer four reasons. We could have more. I actually had three and then I added a fourth. The first one that I want to share is this. Write this down. The omniscience of God reveals our sin. Nothing is hidden from God. We think to Psalm 139, which we read together, says, Search me and know me. See if there's any grievous way in me. Because we know that God sees and he is aware of all. We can trust that he's able to rightly deal with all of the iniquities, all of the injustices in our world. This is what's expressed in that section of Psalm 139 that we didn't read aloud. God is fully aware of sinners and is precisely because he is fully aware that we don't need to seek retaliation against others. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now I recognize you may be squirming right now because you're thinking about this truth for yourself, for your own sin. And this actually leads us to the second point, that the omniscience of God is the answer to our deepest insecurities. Now, I could preach an entire sermon on this one point alone. What happens when our knowledge runs out? When we experience the fear of the unknown? What happens when you and I come to realize that a previous understanding that we had or held was incorrect? In the midst of insecurities... The offer to rest in the knowledge of God is an offer to find full and final security. As we would live our lives and discover things that we just don't know what to do about, we can trust in our God who knows all. Whether we come to the end of ourselves and 
the end of our knowledge through self-examination or academic study or whether it's from a virus called COVID-19. The limitations of our own understanding should cause us to recognize that we have no hope in our own knowledge. Now, my own strongest insecurities personally come from a fear of being known. Because here's what I think. If you really knew me, you would reject me. If we're confronted with this type of insecurity, this fear of rejection, then God's omniscience is a refuge. Just think about how much our culture is asking to be known, to be understood, expressing this deep desire that someone would just get them. We have a deep longing to really be known and to be loved. God knows you. So remember, God is not surprised by anything. He doesn't say, well, Tommy, that was just one mess up too many, so I'm going to take back the forgiveness in Jesus. God knows you fully and loves you completely. Sin has been accounted for in Jesus. This world could continue on for thousands and thousands of years, and the garbage pile of human sin isn't going to someday tip the scales of being too much for the blood of Jesus. The third point is this. The omniscience of God secures our salvation. I don't want to sneak into heaven There's a TV show you may have seen that's called The Good Place where a character in the show ends up in heaven but finds out it's a mistake and then tries to pretend like she belongs. Now, it makes for great humor, but talk about anxiety. The thoughts of sneaking into heaven is one of those things that we can look in Scripture and see it has no biblical basis at all. In fact, the very opposite is what the Bible teaches. I think we miss this because so often we are focused on what we know, whether or not we know God, as if us knowing Him is the ticket. The Bible teaches that our salvation is accomplished because He knows us. We often overemphasize, we even exalt our own knowledge so much that we can skew the gospel message. Hang hang with me, I'm going to walk you through something, and at first it's going to sound crazy. We say to somebody, do you know Jesus? As a way to determine if they're a believer. Now, I think that's a fine question, and my point is not to argue that. But look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He's responding and saying, uh, telling in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. Let's, let's read that together. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
you workers of lawlessness. He doesn't say, you never knew me. He says, I never knew you. There's certainly a difference between a self-professing statement in the knowledge of Jesus and the disposition of one who understands that a right knowledge can only come forth because one is known by God first. This is so beautifully depicted in our text in Psalm 139. Even in the first verse, it says, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. And then all the way at the very end, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Being known by God is more important than we often realize. Friends, listen, I fear that too many of us have placed science and knowledge so high in our lives that they've become idols that prevent a right relationship with Jesus. Being known by God is what brings a right knowledge of God. Said differently, God's omniscience is how we have any right knowledge at all. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's, but now you have come to know God, or rather, be known by God. 1 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 2, says, If anyone imagines he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 9 and following, For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now, I know in part. Then, I shall know fully, as I have even been fully known. The last point we have today is that the omniscience of God motivates our worship. The omniscience of God motivates our worship. I love the response of Paul as he has written these first 10 chapters in Romans all about God and his knowledge and who he is. And then in chapter 11, this is what he says. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him? that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's take just a moment and let's reflect on this together.
Gospel of John, we find this wonderful dialogue between Jesus and Simon Peter. Peter had denied Jesus at the time of his crucifixion and now stands with the resurrected Jesus who asks, Peter, do you love me? Three times this is asked. And look at Peter's response the third time. John 21, in verse 17, Peter replies, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. It's as if Peter is saying, Lord, you know I denied you, and you know that I love you. And as his final command, Jesus gives to Peter in verse 19, follow me. Recalling back how he said earlier in John, my sheep, hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. May it be so for us. Lord, we love you, and we commit to following you. Would you transform us?